This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 1963 for Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Adam Hall. Did it work? I think it's working. Okay. Get ready for the fade out. Ooh. Mm. And there it goes. Like butter. Like butter. Cuts like butter. It's nice. Yeah. New soundboard, baby. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I need to break down the facade whenever possible. Yeah. It's of course. Like, Always breaking the fourth wall. It's not like I can just go with it. Like, wow, doesn't the audio just sound nice this time? Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's as if something's different. Well, that's because something is different. God damn it. New toy. Round of applause for the soundboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just going to be honest. There's there there are far too many buttons, and I don't like the amount of power you have. <laughs> Just wait, especially now that we're in October and Spooktacular's begun on. I Why haven't added that. Thing. I haven't added that. Jesus clip yet. Christ, it's gonna get bad. <laughs> yeah, I got myself a stream deck, mm. which is meant for gamers, meant for like Twitch yeah. streamers and yeah. shit. But I have no interest in doing anything like that, so I got it for my podcast. You should try it for some games. Like, give it a go. Why? Yeah, not? maybe. You know. You even you've been maybe when I run out of outlets to exercise my ego, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that that's sheer desperation on your part. Now that you're going to video games, we know that 2020 is really. (laughs) Yeah. Once I have run out of ways to get attention, then I'll go to Twitch. I would lose my shit if I saw you on any game, really. I mean, you were just saying the other week that you were playing Friday the 13th. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I know. (laughs) What? Let me be clear. I do not own a console that I can play Friday the 13th on. I'll just Mm -hmm. borrow someone else's and play. All right, all right. It freaked you out, though? You thought, like, bit. is he dying or it, something? It's teasing the idea that you're coming <laughs> over to the dark side. And I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. What's he going to be doing next? He's going to be playing, like, the Stanley Parable? Oh, boy. You have no idea what that is. Not a clue what that means. Not a clue. You may enjoy the Stanley Parable. All you do is walk in, in, in the game, and uh, basically uh, a narrator is telling you what to do. And... Throughout the game, you have the choice to obey the narrator or say, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. Mm. And the narrator tries to tell the story based off of your reactions to him. And it's hilarious. This sounds fun. You would probably enjoy it. Yeah, this sounds great. It's like a one-off game. You don't play it over and over again. But the the first-time experience is pretty unforgettable just because it's so funny. Is it like a horror game or something? Or is it it's comedy? Here, here's, a, here's a quick little sample of what it feels like. Okay. So you have like two doors that you walk up to and the narrator is like when stanley came up to the doors he took the door on his right and you take the one on the left and the narrator goes over stanley was so bad at following directions it was amazed he wasn't fired years ago oh this is very meta yeah very very, all very very meta meta. okay yeah it's cool it's wonderful nice see that mank trailer today i did see the mank trailer what'd you think of it it was fine yeah it was fine yeah i'm i'm like i'm at an unhealthy like excitement level over mank it wasn't a great trailer i wasn't as i didn't get as jazzed for it as i did with the dune trailer but uh-huh. um it, you know it, i i sort of appreciated it for like like operating the way that obviously a movies of those time of that time operate it feels it almost feels like a b movie yes <laughs> which is yeah it cool. kind of feels like ed wood yeah yeah exactly i'm getting real ed wood vibes from this trailer well i i saw it i think the thing is like i knew exactly kind of what to expect and it, it didn't it didn't blow me away but like what i saw was like okay fincher 
you're, you, you got it. You're there. Right. Um, and it also does look like a Fincher movie underneath all of that, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like oh, just his shot choices and the dialogue. You can tell it was like the 150th take of mm-hmm. a particular line. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds as though Mark Zuckerberg from Social Network, like, wrote Citizen Kane. <laughs> which, you know, I think is interesting. It's interesting when you, like, run very, like, conventional stories through like the filter of a very specific filmmaker you know which i love i love it just makes those stories uh all the more refreshing and yeah. it's like do, do i have because i'll look at old stories like that and a lot of them will kind of blend together with some of their familiar traits but to to take those similar concepts and give it to i don't know like a like a coen brothers or a or a fincher is always kind of exciting because i like seeing them spin it yeah especially like old hollywood stories like the, this is not the first old hollywood story that's ever come out i'm thinking about like the movie trumbo from a couple years ago with brian cranston mm. and like that is such a formulaic telling of that story and just to see it you know through fincher's eyes i think is going to be very interesting if if not i don't know always successful we'll see though we'll see i mean i it's it's it, dude it's david fincher yeah so it'll it'll at least be good uh yes there was a lot of people um like <laughs> jabriel included who were like i don't like the digital of black and white yeah <laughs> and go to like, hell <laughs> just go to hell <laughs> sorry jabriel you'll <laughs> get a good laugh at this it's okay but i was just like i just don't give a shit about that i really 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 don't care and like robert eggers was getting really pissed off it's like who gives a flying fuck robert eggers, go back to fucking <laughs> Vermont and shoot your movie on a, in a lighthouse again. I, I know all that's the only he only shoots it if the camera was made before 1935. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you're telling me you noticed that Francis Ha was shot digitally. Really? Yeah. Did you know that? Everybody relax. Who cares? Everybody relax. I, I use the example of like, I, I don't care that uh, episode eight is um, um, uh, digital black and white. It's still like the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, Twin Peaks. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really either. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the whole thing was digital, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember noticing a couple times that it looked a little soap opera. Mm. Well, that's know? I guess that's more so just the, the 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 low quality they were they were working with on the show. Not to say that it's low quality, but like lower budget. Yeah. You know, like there were some shots in like the Twin Peaks um like police station or whatever that in 1991 when they were shooting it on old-fashioned television cameras it looked fine Mm -hmm. but then you put it in like ultra hd and you don't change the set at all (laughs) and it just crisp hd quality it's like something's off here there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance but i guess it sort of brings out some of the imperfections i suppose yeah but also who fucking cares so that's the yeah i don't i don't (laughs) i don't get it i i honestly don't fully understand it i don't understand what the what the what the issue is but Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. It's like the worst kind of film snob quirk, in my opinion. Yes. One of the worst. Yeah. Actually, Jabril and I just got in an argument a, a couple weeks ago about this because we were talking about the Criterion Collection. And okay. there are actually a number of films on this list that are in the Criterion Collection. I think, is it four out of five? Um, I know one, two... Uh, I know for a fact it's a Mad 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 World is in there. Eight and, I own eight and a half is in there. Yeah, and then I uh, I think high, Great Escape is in there too. I don't know if it is. I know High and Low is in there though. Yeah, and Great Escape might be streaming on the Criterion, but you can't like go and buy it. Is that right? I don't. I don't believe so. Let me check that. Unless real quick. it's new. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think it's at least three. No, nope, you can get it in the Criterion Collection. Look at that. Oh shit! There you go. When did that come out? Good question. Yeah, because I don't recognize that at all. Might I'm, be new. I'm usually up to date here. 
There you go. May 12, 2020. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just came out. <laughs> so, well, we were getting in an argument about this because, you know, he he's defending the Criterion Collection. And the New York Times put out an article about how few black filmmakers are included in the Criterion Collection. And I'm just like, bro, the Criterion Collection is not the end-all be-all on like what good cinema is and bad cinema is. And like, I respect what they do and I like a lot of their restorations and I love a lot of their bonus features and all that stuff. And you're a much bigger fan of the collection than I am. But I don't know. Like, they're not exactly the arbiter of all things independent. You know, they just put out <laughs> The Irishman on fucking Criterion. You know, they just put out Marriage Story on Criterion. Like, these are movies that don't need preservation. They don't need restoration. Mm-hmm. And I, I, his point was like, oh, no, but you want the most HD version of every single movie that came out pre-1950. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm cool with whatever Turner Classic movies screens on like a daily basis i'm fine just going on demand and watching it in 720p as opposed to 1080p like i don't know the ultra hd 4k you're preaching to the wrong choir when you argue on its behalf it's not i mean the point is 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 a little different though i mean i don't i i just love the criterion collection because of the films they choose to champion and it's just really cool to see them in their collection it's also interesting to see what they leave out yeah. Um, but they're just doing it because like they, they have this belief that otherwise these films might be lost, which is sometimes true. I mean, are Kurosawa movies going to get lost though? Does seven samurai need saving? Not maybe not seven samurai, but maybe something like high and low. I mean, there was eight and a half need saving. Maybe you think, I mean, I mean a lot, a lot of the reason why the movie is so well preserved today, eight and a half specifically is because of the criterion collection, because a lot of them were in, in, only the the film print format and some people just couldn't get their hands on them and people were wondering what the hell happened to it until these guys came along and said we're just going to do like a like a bloodhound search <laughs> for <Right>. these movies <laughs> and and give them to you exactly the way the filmmaker would want you to which is why you see so many filmmakers sign off on them, on them. Yeah. Like literally it has their their seal of approval i get it i get it i just think like the difference between whatever is on dvd and the walmart bargain bin is not that much different than what you're getting on a criterion blu-ray no but the point is that you're not gonna find these movies all the time in the walmart bargain bin which is usually true there's a few uh, exceptions but for the most part yeah like you're not gonna go into walmart and find fucking eight and a half <laughs> no probably in the five dollar bin you're but just if not cri- put it this way if criterion never put out eight and a half on blu-ray you would still have a way of watching eight and a half, but it would be difficult. That's the point. Yeah. Okay. I guess, you know, they need to bring out wild at heart. Cause I really want to fucking see wild at heart. Yeah. You can't find that movie. If it's any, it, it, honestly, if it would be anybody to, to, to release that movie, it's going to be the criterion. Why the hell can't you find that movie? I don't know. I don't know. I definitely watched it on like a streaming service or something at some point. The first time I saw it, it was, I have not seen it. How can't you find that? It's gotta be out there. I can't. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like notoriously <laughs> hard to find, though. It's yeah, I don't weird. Know why? Yeah, I know. All right, whatever. Speaking of DVDs, though, I did. I did buy a Blu-ray of Unsundi and uh, Enemy, and Congrats. made me very, very happy. Congrats. I, if you want to borrow my copy of Enemy to watch the spiders be spiders, it, w- it would make me very happy. I think it's on Netflix already. Is it? Yeah, that's fine. But. Dude, I'm just like such not a DVD guy. (laughs) I think I was born at the exact right time. Because if I was born five years earlier, like you would not be able to walk around in this room. There would be that many DVDs. 
But luckily, I got a Netflix subscription when I did. Yeah. I don't use Netflix that often, I guess, is the issue. I I also just don't believe in paying for something that I'm going to watch over and over and over and over again. Usually, those are the movies that I buy. I respect it. So I respect it. Yeah. I just, I, I have a way of watching anything I need to watch. I've never had that. Maybe, okay, Wild at Heart. I'll get that thing on DVD <laughs> if I can find it. That's one movie that apparently I can't find anywhere else. Yeah. But this was quite a tangent. Sure. Did you watch anything recently? Uh, did I watch? I watched. Okay, hold on. I have this nifty little device on my phone. It's an app called Letterboxd. Yes. And it tells you. What you are quite watched. the Letterboxd head lately. I saw your, your, your fucking dissertation on Blade Runner 2049. Oh, you read that? Oh, I mean, I didn't read the whole thing. God, I, read a, I, hope you, I hope you didn't read I it. I read a good chunk of it. I love that review. I'm proud of it because it took me forever. But yeah, uh, I read chapter one. Good. <laughs> I usually wrap up my books around that time. Luckily, I was, I was generous enough to tell people at the beginning of the review, if you read even a quarter of this good for you yeah. <laughs> seriously good for you <laughs> but i want adam is the letterboxed a holic lately when it comes to reviews because yeah. I, I i i to the, i've stuck to my my um uh what am i trying to say when you when your you, rating system i well i've stuck to my my i hate it when i can't find a word this happens to me way too often but i, I your guns I, I stuck to my guns no i said that i would no longer do uh, uh star ratings because i th- i find them ridiculous yes and yeah i haven't done them in quite a while but the trade-off is that i have to write a lot of reviews that's right <laughs> <laughs> much easier when you can just put a number to it but yeah you know exactly how i feel about the movie Usually. Yes. Usually. And the latest movies that I watched that were new to me were Mimic by Guillermo del Toro and It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Mimic was an interesting one, I guess. Yeah. I, I was watching it and I'm like, wow, I can't believe this guy won Best Picture. Yeah. I, I, I was like, there's, how did a director who made a movie like this go on to, 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 to make a movie that w- he won Best Picture and Best Director for? Right. It was blowing my mind. And I think he even got the screenplay Oscar, too, didn't he? No. Uh, get Out won that. Oh, yeah, Get Out did yeah. one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. But yeah, I was very confused <laughs> because the movie is just like a 90s B movie right. with some style. And it's got good craft. It's, I, I, I had fun with it, but... It's not the kind of thing where you would think at at some point in the future they're going to give this guy the keys to make something that's deeply like poetic and personal to him and he just wants to tell the story about monsters falling in love because it's a movie about giant bugs killing people in New York. Yeah. I mean Peter Jackson made bad taste, right? Sure. Yeah. But yeah. this is even this is later though. This is when like he, he like they gave him money to make Mimic. Oh, this was like a, a high budget movie. Yeah, it's not exactly. It's when he's like like sort of establishing himself as like sort of a visionary director. What was his first movie? Was this his first movie? No, I think Kronos was his first movie. Okay, because Kronos was like critically adored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and people, this was like kind of mixed. People love the Kronos, but this is more like uh, um uh like mainstream fare. Got it. This is the kind of thing that would have come out in like like I don't know like a February. Oh, yeah. Mia Sorvino's in it. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of people you'd recognize. Josh Brolin. Yeah. yeah. F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. Norman Reedus. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. And they usually have like less than nothing to do. And I'm like, it's like not a great movie, but I was like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> in the realm of like giant bugs killing people movies that I've seen, if I'm to rank like eight legged freaks, Starship Troopers and Mimic, <laughs> you know, this one is it's I don't know. 
Actually, it's probably a number three. I really like Eight-Legged Freaks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched a movie on Netflix this weekend, and it is one of my favorites of the year. Okay. Low bar, but still. It's called Dick Johnson is Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a documentary, and I am not going to say a damn thing about it. I'm just going to recommend that everybody watch it. Okay. Okay. And I would certainly recommend that you watch it, because I absolutely loved this movie. All right. I thought it was just phenomenal. Sweet. But I'm not going to say anything. All right, cool. Just see the movie. That's a documentary. All right. That's all I need to tell you. I don't mind documentaries. Documentaries are sweet. Yeah. Yeah. This one's sweet, too. All right. All right. In many ways. Long live Dick Johnson. Is he alive at the end? Can't tell you that. But it says he's dead. That is what the title implies, yeah. Is Dick Johnson a person? Dick Johnson is indeed a person. He's a real person. Yes. Okay. Is he, like, having a falling out, and therefore he is dead, like Pauly Shore? Um... His memory is having a falling out. Oh, wow. Wow. I have no idea who this guy is, so. Yeah, no. Just watch the movie. Okay. And then we'll talk. Next week, let's talk. Is it twisted? What is it? No, it's not twisted. It's very sweet. All right. All right. All right I'll give you the, the <laughs> very, very broad strokes and just say that it is a documentary made by a documentarian um, who's, of course, a documentary made by a documentarian whose father is uh, suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. And she films him as he suffers dementia. Interesting. And yeah, the movie sort of plays around with the form of documentary filmmaking. Oh. Let's just oh. say that. Okay. Okay. All right. But still lovely and very sweet. Okay. And I'll admit I cried a couple times. You always cry a couple yeah. times. There some you're, some you're, tears were had. You're a fucking crier. <laughs> yep. Fucking Dick Johnson. Yep. What a guy. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Love me some Dick Johnson. All right. Dick Johnson. What a name. Dick Johnson. Yeah. Does it get much better than that? Doesn't. Yeah, doesn't. Um, <laughs> let's get to it. <laughs> Class of 1963. Five movies nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. They are The Birds, High and Low, The Great Escape, It's Mad, 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 Mad World. And eight and a half. Yep. One of them gets in. I really like all of these movies. Good. Do you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> it's a great year. There is actually a clear winner for me, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, like like this is a this is a pretty dope year. It's a fucking awesome year. Yeah, it's a pretty dope year. <laughs> You're just not going to hear me say a lot of bad things on this podcast. Nominate me. It's a really good list. Uh, highest grossing movie in 1963. One that we could have nominated just for like sort of historical significance, Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. Number one. The, the infamous Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't have the strength to watch three and a half hours of fucking Egyptian I, queens and shit. I'll see it eventually, but I couldn't do it either. No. Number two, How the West Was Won. John Ford movie. Number three, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Number four, Tom Jones. And number five, Irma La Dolce, which uh, is that a Billy Wilder movie? I don't know. Oh, ooh, wait, Maybe. With uh, friggin' it could be Jack Lemon, right? Hmm, I think so. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Best picture. Your nominees are America, America, an Elia Kazan film, Cleopatra, How the West Was Won, Lilies of the Field, and your winner, Tom Jones, which is a movie I have not seen. Like the singer Tom Jones? No, No? I don't think it's about what's new, Pussycat. Damn. Yeah. What a movie that would. I fucking love Tom Jones. How do you not love Tom Jones? You, ever, you, you ever have seen, no heart. Have you ever seen Mars Attacks? I've not. He plays like a prominent role in that movie. This Timber movie about aliens coming down to Earth and killing people. Have you seen Tom Jones's cover of Prince's Kiss? 
No. Oh my god. No. I think he outdoes Prince with this cover. Ooh. <laughs> I think it's actually better than the original. Okay. That's that's bold coming from you. It's fucking amazing. All right. It's so good. Should I pull it up now? Oh Jesus. Really quick. I have to cuz now the soundboard is fucking me up here, but hang on. What's he doing, guys? I need I just need to play for you like no. a half of the What if I hate it? You're not the best at recommending music to me. <laughs> Tom Jones Kiss. It is the fucking best cover. Oh god. He's he needs to, guys. Here it is. This is in live. Here he comes, coming out, tight black t-shirt on, so sexy. This man has the voice of four. Not unusual to be alone by anyone. <laughs> Fucking love Tom Jones. <laughs> really good. Anyway, that was, that was really good. Yeah, that really won good. Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, Tony Richardson won Best Director for that film. Sidney Potier wins Best Actor for Lilies of the Field. Patricia Neal wins Best Actress for HUD. Melvin Douglas wins Best Supporting Actor for HUD. And Margaret Rutherford wins Best Supporting Actress for the VIPs. Cool. All right. Honorable mentions yeah. uh, from Russia with Love, mm. Bond movie, Contempt, Godard yeah. film movie that I have seen. Yes, yeah. Talking too much Godard lately, though. Yeah, no. I've, I mean, I have some feelings on that one. I guess. Yeah. Well, these days we'll do a proper Godard pod. Yeah, <laughs> and that one will be on there. But it's an interesting movie that uh, loved by a bunch of filmmakers, including like Damien Chazelle, very inspired by Contempt, which is a little strange when you see it. But I, I mean, I guess it makes some sense. Charade came out that year. Stanley Donor film. Wanted to watch that because I've been it's been on my list forever. Yeah. How the West Was Won, as I just said, John Ford, Irma La Dolce, Cleopatra, as I just said. The Pink Panther, first movie. Again. Pink Panther series. Are we actually ever gonna do a Pink Panther pod? Yes. Okay. I have a lot of movies to watch. (laughs) Listen, let's pick a date and we'll do a little you know, how about for Christmas we do a little swap? Okay. Swap. Oh, so what's the deal? I'll do Refn. <laughs> I'll do Refn. You do Pink Panther. Let's finally pay this off. How many Pink Panther movies are there? There's a lot. Okay, but well, the, no, no, no. <laughs> what this, do you mean? This is my question. If we're not plenty, we're, the answer is plenty. Okay, but how many are we nominating? Five or six? Five. Five will do it. Five. Mm. Five for five. Mm. Listen, if you want to make me watch six Refn movies, then you're going to watch six Pan- Pink Panther movies. That's how it goes. How many Refn? You've well, you've seen. Yeah, there's. Oh boy. This Christmas. Yeah. We, we'll stuff when, each other's stockings. That's when we're doing Refn? Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. We're, I'm finally going to make you do this Pink Panther thing. I, I got to get you with something better than that. You'll like the, the Refn movies. You will like the Pink Panther movies. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure. Peter Sellers is unbelievable. I do like Peter Sellers. Perhaps the best comedic actor of all time. 
Uh, Lord of the Flies came out that year. The first Nutty Professor movie with Jerry Lewis. Bye Bye Birdie and The Haunting. Okay. American Film Registry puts America America in there as well as The Birds. The Cool World, which I don't know what that is. Crisis Behind a Presidential Commitment. That's a documentary, cinema verite style inside the Oval Office with JFK. How the West Was Won. HUD, the Paul Newman film. The Nutty Professor, The Pink Panther, Shock Corridor, and The Subruder Film. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's in the National Film Registry. It was filmed in 1963. Eh, 1963 motion picture. I actually think it kind of belongs in the National Film Registry. Definitely. Uh, Okay. That does it. It's a good year. Yeah, very good year. I I underestimated this year when we first uh, thought of it. Yeah. I must say. I agree with that. Let's begin with The Birds. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Rod Taylor, Jessica Tandy, and Tippi Hedren in her big screen debut. Nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Oscars. Notably did not win Best Visual Effects at the Oscars. A wealthy San Francisco socialite pursues a potential boyfriend to a small northern California town that slowly takes a turn for the bizarre when birds of all kinds suddenly begin to attack people. Um, I rewatched this. Yes, I know. Last week. Because <laughs> I needed to collect my thoughts on this. Because The Birds has always been, for me, lesser Hitchcock. I've always thought of it as one of the, the, the worst Hitchcock films. And, like, that is sort of damning with faint praise. Because, like, all Hitchcock movies are good Hitchcock movies. But I always sort of dismissed this one. Just because the premise was kind of silly. And uh, I, I just remember at the time thinking like, yeah, this is just a movie about nothing. And it's kind of just like dumb escapism. But then again, I saw it for the first time when I was like 15 mm-hmm. and my head was directly up my ass, like all the time. <laughs> I don't why do I, I'm happy I never met 15 year old. This is a take that would have annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love this movie. Yeah. I've always loved this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in a little while. I, th- I, I mean, the last time I probably saw it was like five years ago. I, I should have rewatched it. But even still, I, I, I remember it well enough to, to, to still talk about it. And it's – I mean, I, I, I agree it's not like Hitchcock's best film. Um, I don't even think it's in his top ten. No. There, there, there is a, a slight underrated quality to it because people bounce back and forth on this one a lot, actually. Yeah. There's, there are plenty of people who are like, guys, like, come on, The Birds isn't that great. But then there's other people who are like, mm, well, did you ever think about this? Right. And there's, he's actually doing a lot more here than you're giving him credit for. And I happen to be on in that camp. This isn't Rear Window or anything. It's not even uh, notorious. No. But, um, man, like – I. I hate to say it, this movie like still kind of freaks me out. Yeah, man, the birds coming down the chimney will still <laughs> fuck with you. There's well, it's it's a lot of things. It's not just the birds coming down the chimney. It's just I'm more scared of the birds when they're sitting on perches doing nothing. Oh my god! Yeah, the scene where Tippy Hedren is just sitting there and they begin piling up behind her on the the playground like mm. that shot to this day still yeah gives yeah. me goosebumps i just thought this like it's 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 funny though you, you mentioned that about it being nothing i always i mean i don't know what your full feelings are on it now i always felt like i mean a lot of people 
there is an escapism element to it. It certainly has some things to say about man and nature and sort of like our, our, our punishment with that. And yeah, got a little bit to say about, like, I guess like, like love and violence, which is a, sort of a commonly thrown around theme with the way people treat each other and how that's reflected with like the love birds and the, uh, um, the birds outside and right. like how they sort of attack only when people are being fucking assholes to each other. Right. Sort of how like sex and violence are two halves of the same coin. Like yeah, I get that. Yeah. It's it's got it's got a it's got a weird like like semblance of substance that has always feels there when I watch it even if it doesn't jump out at me. Huh. I I don't know. There's something just very like sinister about this movie to me. It's very dreadful. The tone and the atmosphere is sort of always pounding over you, and it's just quiet, which is so surprising to me. There's like no music in this movie. There's like virtually none. When I I, I was I was I. Beforehand, I was watching the 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 opening titles. I'm like, wait a second, do the opening titles have no music on them? That would be so funny because that's traditionally not the way Hitchcock films work, right? And then I watched the opening titles. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, not always, <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. weird. The guy actually had a lot of range in that department. Like, obviously, Psycho, you think is a very like heavily scored movie. Mm-hmm. Same with Vertigo. Like the Bernard Herrmann score there is just like immaculate. But then, yeah, you watch something like Rope or whatever, or you watch something like The Birds, or even I was watching a few weeks ago, uh, Saboteur. Mm. All of those movies are fairly quiet. And even in their big climaxes, they're pretty quiet. Yep. And the, the guy really does let his action breathe. It's sort of an underrated quality about Hitchcock is, although he's always manipulating you with like th- these, th- the, the various sort of, um, you know, the, the various like uh, characteristics of filmmaking, he, he doesn't always like beat you over the head with, what you're supposed to feel. And that's sort of what I, what I appreciate about him now later on in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. the more I watch him, the more I'm like, Oh yeah, he's manipulating us. But at no point is he like holding your hand and telling you exactly how to feel at any given moment. Yeah. I agree with that. That's kind of an interesting point. I never feel like he's like pandering to the audience. That's right. That's certainly true. Yeah. In the way that maybe like a Marvel movie would. Oh yeah. Well, it's definitely true here though, where it's, it's, I don't know. It, it, It's, this is a funny mo- movie for me to talk about, though, because in a way, like it does feel very different, but also so obviously Hitchcock to me. Yes. Oh boy, but I, I don't. I don't know. It's it's because it, I'm 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 constantly trying to reconcile this movie at the same time because I understand what you you were talking about, where it's like it's hard to discern what the movie's like trying to say. Right. But when you watch it, there's just something about his direction and his storytelling that feels like this is very, very serious. Yes. Like he really meant something kind of harsh and he wanted people to like, like be genuinely terrified by like the implications of what this event could be. And I like, even though I can't fully pinpoint exactly what Kitchcock was saying with this movie, it's very effective. Yeah. I mean, it is a B movie. Yeah. Like the concept is a B movie and there are, you know. Speaking of Ed Wood, like there are a hundred Ed Wood movies, or maybe he didn't make that many, but there are dozens of Ed Wood movies that feel like, you know, this would fit right into it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it really is just a matter of style here. It's just a matter of delivery and in the hands of just a slightly lesser director this movie bombs oh it's it's not even that it bombs it's just a shitty movie yeah it's just a piece of shit i mean really if even if it's like made by like a competent like if john sturgis made this movie you know it's terrible Mm -hmm. it's awful but it's just hitchcock there is i think just a level of gravitas and seriousness and weightiness that Mm -hmm. hitchcock brings to everything he makes I, i think here's you were asking like what i think about it now i i don't think my mind has changed that much now i just think i've changed Ah. since then do you know what i mean what do you mean like i i watch the movie and i think the same things like oh yeah it's sort of a pointless movie that 
does not really, you know, explicitly explain its meaning. And there's never like sort of a satisfying explanation for why these birds attack. And there's very little subtext here. And I think at the age of 15, when I saw it for the first time, I saw that as a negative and now I'm 25 and I see it as a positive. Yeah. I, I kind of like the fact that it doesn't come out and, and tell you explicitly what it's about. Cause it makes it scarier to right. me. Like just trying to pinpoint like, just like how anything like this could happen and just this natural event. And that's what we do as human beings anyway. We're trying to constantly trying to add meaning to things that probably don't have that much meaning to them. Certainly like, with meanings, there are certainly people like us with the podcast. Yeah. We certainly <laughs> spend a lot of time putting meanings on things. Yeah. But I, I think to a degree though, the point of this movie is that sometimes like, like, with with the natural world there're just going to be things that you can't account for no matter right. what you do right you know if you if you really struggle to do that you're just going to die quicker yeah and i think this idea that and i think that this was part of the original script and they sort of um you know evolved it to to what we now recognize as the birds but initially i think there was more of a motive to what these birds were doing and there was more of like a sinister undertone to this town like the people in this town were in some way responsible for the birds doing what they do and there was this idea that maybe they were hiding something um but in its finished product all of that stuff was erased just all of that subtext is just non-existent. This is a movie about birds attacking and you are going to sit there for two hours and you are going to watch birds attack and you are going to be horrified by it. And that's it. And I think like now I see something like that and I recognize, Oh yeah. Every once in a while, a movie can just be a movie. And that's what this is. You know, it's very much pure cinema. It's very much (laughs) like, uh, the, the, the classic Hitchcock quote where it's like, you could shut it off and they could play it in Japan and they would know exactly what's going on. Right. That's the, that's the motive behind most of his film making sensibility and it's a it's very very true here Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it just works as a good piece of like like horror thriller cinema because i i I, when i I was watching some clips and i'm like this still kind of freaks me out and i don't always understand why but something about it is just so unsettling to me just the i think it's maybe just this idea and i think on paper it wouldn't work very well i'd be like okay that's stupid we'd 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 i don't have to be scared of birds but (laughs) <laughs> something about them doing what they do in this movie and just the way they sort of stalk the people is just, I don't know. It's really chilling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I still don't know why the birds attacked. It's never really described at all. Hitchcock does not elaborate other than, yeah, it's a movie about nature and how you shouldn't fuck with nature. I don't mind. A, a simple, Which is cool. I, I mean, whatever. I don't mind a simple <laughs> explanation like that where it's like nature just doesn't care. It, yeah. It's really nihilistic in that way. Yeah. And I think that's the, the hump that some people need to get over. It's like, Maybe the point of this film is that there is no explanation or reason. It just happens and you have to deal with it. Right. And it's like, whoa, that's bleak. Right. And I guess the reason I might actually buy into that is that because that's the tone of the movie Mm. right down to the ending. Like that ending where they're just driving off into what feels like a wasteland of angry birds. Yes. And that's it. Dante's Inferno. That's what you're left with. Like the world has ended. (laughs) It's like okay Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah they're also like these news reports of like yeah birds have been seen attacking in other cities across california yes. it's like oh shit the birds are revolting <laughs> well and i have to admit though like if they ever did a remake of this movie and they tried to explain it i don't think it would work as well oh definitely not definitely not and i think 
that's sort of the point that I'm making. Like at 15, I just didn't know any better. And I'm like, give me more answers. Give me more subtext. Beat me over the head with your themes. Big theme guy at the age of 15. Oh, God. Big theme guy. Big themes. Big theme energy. I like themes. Themes are cool. Yeah. It's not necessary all the time. Yeah. It depends on the movie. So I think like then I'm just like, give me more themes. And what I didn't realize is that those themes or that explanation would have come at the expense of just like compelling horror. And you know what I mean? And sometimes those two things, they operate uh, against one another. They operate, you know, sort of like us. You know, we talked about us last year, which is a movie I like. But, you know, sometimes the subtext there takes away from the horror. I guess, you know, I guess I kind of wonder, like, what's the movie that made you break and say, you know what? Like, maybe I'm not necessarily looking for theme. It's it all the time. Like a movie can work even if the theme is sort of like secondary to me. Yeah. Or it's a supplementary detail that doesn't really matter. I mean, I think of again, the, the, my go to example is always Pacific Rim. Right. It's like, yeah, it I has, mean, it has something a little to different, say, a little different. But like at the end of the day, like that movie doesn't give a shit about its themes. I don't think of Pacific Rim in the same way I think about the birds, but I, I understand your point. You know I, what I mean? They're actually more similar than 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 you'd think for me in that way. Okay. It's just like the, the basic conceit of the movie is something entirely different than what it could sit you down and like literally tell you. Right. So, yeah, it's just trying to entertain. What do you think of the special effects in this movie? It's sometimes I don't mind them. Um, there are other instances where the matting effects and the blending is just really bad and you can see through the birds. It's just it, bad. Yeah. It's just really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I have not seen Birdemic. You guys actually covered that on the other podcast without me. Yeah. Um, but I get the sense that sometimes <laughs> Birdemic and, and the birds are not that far off on a technical level. I wish I, I wish I could agree with you for the sake of the joke. Yeah. Uh, no, like the birds in this look photorealistic next to the ones in Birdemic. Okay. Wow. It's really bad. Yeah. It's quite bad. Yeah. That is saying something. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I definitely underrated this movie the first time that I saw it. And I'm glad that I watched it again with sort of a fresh set of eyes because, yeah, it is just sort of like a fun movie. And also, if you saw it in 1963 and it's you know, just like the first hour is kind of like a, not a screwball comedy, but it's like a romantic comedy sort of with, with just the two leads just sort of flirting with each other. And it's like a pretty like run of the mill human drama until those birds attack. And I like imagine being in the theater in 1963 and everything's going well. And like, we're really invested in the romance, the will they won't they between Tippi Hedren and Rod Taylor. (laughs) And then all of a sudden birds come out of a fucking chimney and start pecking grandma to death. Yeah. You know, some dude's got his eyes pecked out. Oh my God. Yeah. I love Hitchcock's did that before with psycho though, where you think it's going to be like a, like right. an on the road crime caper and then your lead is killed 30 minutes into the movie right yeah i, I love it when movies uh do any of that yeah it just makes it makes you very happy because it makes it, it really puts your guard down yeah. yeah both of them were late period hitchcock movies this is probably his last great movie yes um that's sort of generally considered to be that so. some people claim marnie which is the film he did right afterwards with right Hendrick as well people love marnie yeah i have not seen it neither have so. i i don't know maybe they're right yeah Tippy Hedren. Also, some weird shit happened on set with Tippy Hedren, apparently. Yeah, he threw live birds at her in that scene where she goes up to the attic. So she's like really fucked up <laughs> for the rest of the movie. Ugh. Yeah. He was not nice to Tippy. No. no. Apparently, some sexual stuff, too. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows? Hitchcock. Complicated guy. Directors. Complicated dudes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm sorry. I said dudes. There can be female directors as well. 
I wonder what the controversy with the female directors is like. Speaking of complicated directors, what for the first time ever, um, I watched that clip on the set of I Heart Huckabees with David. Oh Russell. right, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I have. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Oh He's my a fucking dick. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I'm, just, I'm sorry, Lil- Lily Tomlin. I take back everything I said about you in Nashville. Jesus Christ. She's fine in Nashville. What's wrong with Lily Tomlin in Nashville? She's entirely forgettable in Nashville. Uh, but yeah, I, I was, love me some Millie Tomlin. I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, chill the fuck out. Yeah, that guy is complicated for sure. I think Jennifer Lawrence enjoys those types of directors. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yo, you don't say. But no other women do. Well, guess what? We haven't seen anything out of Jennifer Lawrence in God knows how long. So big uh, mother revival yesterday on Twitter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They, they a lot love, of second thoughts about mother expressed on Twitter yesterday. They love to try. Don't film they? Twitter was buzzing. That's no surprise with though. talk of mother being a, a little a hidden ma- masterpiece. little masterpiece. Yeah, of course it is. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's a great film. The film Twitter never disappoints. I hate film Twitter so much. <laughs> I hate it. High and low. Yep. High and low. Directed by Akira Kosawa, starring Toshiro from Mifune. Did I say that right? Toshiro Mifune. Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, Yukata Sada and Taksuai Nakadai. Nakadai. Fine. I'll take it. An executive of a shoe company becomes a victim of extortion when his chauffeur's son is kidnapped and held for ransom. Uh, Pretty simple, right? Yeah. Speaking of Hitchcock movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kurosawa was like, in 1963, I'm going to make a Hitchcock movie, but it's going to be like better than every Hitchcock movie. Uh, yeah, this was fucking great. <laughs> movie wasn't this like fucking awesome this is so good (laughs) oh my goodness this movie's great i keep i keep going into every kurosawa film i'm like i dare you to make a bad movie yeah arms crossed i dare you to make a bad movie right and then it's like okay thanks for giving me another one of the greatest films i've ever seen oh my goodness (laughs) i love it high and low this movie kicks all kinds of ass jesus so yeah i mean it's kind of a hitchcock premise and uh you know it is a mystery not really a noir mystery but it's like a you know like a caper very like literally theatrical like this could operate as a play in many ways yeah and i would love to see this as a play this would actually be a a pretty exciting uh theater experience but for a while there i thought they were going to set the whole movie in the house i thought so too because they were there for an hour right it's it's interesting like the shift because i i i thought the same thing and then when they didn't i was like oh that's a that's a nice comfortable first half uh second half uh shift that they did that was actually wholly appropriate where it actually changes protagonists because it's like two movies in a way yeah yeah like the first half is is almost exactly the first half is is just trying to deal with the kidnapper and then the second half is the investigation to find him and it's such an awesomely structured film i love it yeah this is one of the like it's weird because it is kind of long it's like two hours and 20 minutes all of these movies are long like boom this flies by yeah like nothing yeah like i was i was shocked by how quickly this movie flies and it's weird because it's not like a movie that's like 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 quickly cut there's many like oneers of them just doing their scenes and running their lines and the camera's just going back and forth i just i, I think it's the performances and i think it's the story and it's also the script yeah my god <laughs> this thing is thrilling <laughs> it's just so anxiety ridden yeah this guy is just like not capable of making something not perfect i mean it's just <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's okay. It's not my favorite curse. It might film. be mine. It's not my favorite curse. I know, film, but, I know. But um, but like, I, 
I don't think I had seen there's not a whole lot of other Kurosawa films that I have seen that weren't like period piece. He traditionally likes sure. uh, period piece. Yeah, films. Samurai movies, all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but like he again, it's another one of those directors. You watch a movie like this. It's like, yeah, he could just do whatever he wants. He could do anything. Yeah, it's because this is just like the, again, it's like sort of <laughs> we're being very hyperbolic, but I really feel like it's appropriate. It's a it's a sort of movie <laughs> of the week premise, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Just elevated to such a great degree. Like, I mean, they really flesh out everybody in this movie and give you such a deep level of pathos even with the Tashir Mifune's character who you would normally oh, yeah. you would normally hate in any other movie because he's supposed to be a rich prick but how they develop his character and sort of the arc that he has just makes you love everything about him yeah and just Tashir Mifune oh my god I love him I love him always great I love him always uh, great here's a thought for you uh like Parasite but made 60 years before Parasite. I had a similar thought. Yeah. Gave me major Parasite vibes, like the whole class struggle thing. And it really didn't hit me until the last like 10 minutes of the movie. Actually, that final scene is just like so cathartic and is just so weighty. That last conversation is so fucking weighty. Mm -hmm. Like the perspective that these two men bring in after this crime has been committed. Um, and like how they're sort of both wrecked by the same system, even yeah. though they're on opposite sides of it. I love it's that. just an incredible, just sort of um, an, an incredible statement about class struggle. Well, it's the, the, it's the cost of being who each person is. Yeah. And no one wins in the end, too. Right. For, for exactly those reasons. I just loved it. And it's it's you, you, you totally understand, like, why someone like Tashir Mifune would sort of rethink everything he's done in the face of this guy where it's like at the end of the day, it's like, whose fault is it? <laughs> I just love that idea. Whose fault is it really in the right. scenario, scenario? And it doesn't really point to either either one. Yeah. Which again, I, I usually love that. But like, it's just such a poetic film in that way too. Yeah. It doesn't start out like it would like it would be. I was I, honestly, I was trying to figure out like what the film was going to ultimately be. Me too. Because again, I read the description just now. It's about a shoe salesman. Or a, a shoe executive, I say, for a, a major shoe brand. National shoes. Yeah. In Japan. And like at first, yeah, it's like sort of a business um, struggle, sort of, you know, it's like a chamber piece almost where these people are fighting for shares of a company. So it, it was it like started as like a Glen Gary Glenn Ross type thing. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, where is this going to go? Is it just going to be like a lot of corporate politics about sneakers and high heels and shit? Yep. And then, yeah, it takes that turn. And it becomes a totally different thing. Mm hmm. It's very propulsive too, and I just yeah. kind of loved it. And I think I lo the easy thing for the movie to to have done would have been for the twist to have been that the guys, his like business partner or business rivals, anyway, took the son. Right, and it sort of. Um, they, they they sort of imply that that could happen when they go and question them later. I'm like, oh, don't let it be like a subversion of a subversion where right. they they ultimately are the people who did it. Right. I just love the fact that the movie was honest about like, no, it was just a guy who resented uh, this man in, in a high castle for what he was. Right. And it's like that just like speaks so much more truthful to me. Right. You know, I just I I I really admired it for going into that direction rather than doing like the obvious thing. And again, like I just, I, I, I kind of felt for the guy. It's impossible not to feel for the guy at the end. Of I that. kind of felt for everyone in this movie. Man, by the the ending, ugh, Jesus, that 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 final confrontation is just heartbreaking on yeah. both sides. It really is. Yeah, and it's an incredible performance by uh, whoever it is that plays um, the thief. Mm -hmm. He's just really good in that final scene. And Bafune, of course, is always fantastic. Everybody's really good in this movie. The detective is really good. Like the sort of head detective, the younger guy. Um, the, the dude that plays this chauffeur, just everybody is really solid in this movie. And it's just like a, an incredibly well-considered just character studies slash crime film slash cop procedural 
it, it, slash thriller. It's just really fucking good on every level. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm struggling to say anything bad about this movie because you're 100% right. It's two hours and 20 minutes long and it flew by. It was incredible. It's one of those moments where I don't remember reading the subtitles. Think about that. Yeah. I don't, I, I think about this movie right now and I literally think of the experience of just sitting down and watching it, even though I, I read the entire damn thing. Right. And I don't remember reading the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you're right. It just sort of flows together in that way. It's so good. I love to death the, the, the scene where uh, they're tailing the guy and Tashira or Mr. Gondo. Is that yeah, the character? Gon- yes, Gondo. Yeah. He, he's just—he's outside one of his shoe shops, just looking inside at the shoes, and the and the the kidnapper just walks right up to him, and almost like tries to be him for half a second. Yeah, I just love that little moment again, just like like poetic cinema. I just love that little moment. It was like you could cut that out. There was yes. no need for that whatsoever. It's just in the moment. It was like for this character, uh, he he. he I don't know. He needs to almost relate to the guy in that way to in order to to attack him in such a personal way. Yeah, hundred percent. It's very interesting. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. I mean, all of that stuff. That last like twenty minutes where he's just running around the city and into like the crack alleys and like when he kills the prostitute. Or is she a prostitute, or is she just like a crack addict? I'm not sure. Oh, she she's a uh, she's a what, what do they call her? She's a she's a drug drug addict. She's a uh, like a crack whore, probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. All yeah. of the above. Whatever. Yeah. But like all of that stuff is so seedy. But it really does like emphasize first half, second half, like how different these two worlds are. Mm-hmm. Like one guy is living in this world in this beautiful home where the worst part of his day is that other executives want to vote another guy off of the board, <laughs> and then. <laughs> You know, cut to the other side where it's just like these very crowded alleys with just like these zombie like people that are just begging for just a quick hit. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was talking about when I was saying like like or when you when you brought up the 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 parasite comparisons, that's where it felt the most literal for me. Right. You're shown this pristine palace and then you're shown just the slums of the street. But what I was saying earlier about how how it's structured is that I mean, it's called high and low. And that's literally how the movie's structured in terms of its setting. Yeah, it's really clever in that way and definitely makes you feel both of those ideas. Right. But not on the nose in the way that like you hear that title and you think it's going to be on the nose it's not well i didn't know what it meant at first right until the end (laughs) well it's kind of got a double meaning it's like they're searching high and low but also yes the movie takes place half of it high and half of it low yeah it really is an incredible structure and similar to parasite like at no point does it pass any judgment on these people like you really do fat feel bad for everyone involved yep um it's just a miracle of a movie. This movie's fucking awesome. The stuff with the pink smoke, it's just yeah. great use of color in a black and white movie. I love when movies do that. I know you do. I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. I'm not going to criticize it. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Except for Sin City, where it bothers me. Oh, yeah. The, the, yellow the guy. one movie. <laughs> yellow guy in Sin City really bothers me. <laughs> yeah. But shit. other than that. Such a shit movie, that Sin City. Yeah. Love color in black and white movies. It's the best. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just Dope. great. Just it's, great. It's awesome. It's Kurosawa. See it. Yes. Watch this movie. <laughs> and you should watch more Kurosawa films. Dude, yeah. you would fucking love if you I, I was I because this was gonna sort of be my indicator because I was watching this and I'm like, okay, this is an amazing movie. Um if Nico doesn't like this, I'm gonna be very upset, and I don't think I could recommend another Kurosawa <laughs> film after this. Just watch Yojimbo. Whatever year Yojimbo is, we got to talk about because that movie's like the coolest fucking movie ever made. Okay. Oh my God, I love it. That's that another like period piece though, right? Yes, but that's the movie okay. that inspired Fistful of Dollars. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. And it is one of my favorites of his. Fantastic movie. All right. I'll go do it. Yeah, I just love the fact that it was contemporary, though. Mm, yeah, know, I, I think that's what I appreciated about it. I Even like when I saw Ron and I you made me watch it and I had a lot of respect for that movie and I recognized how good it was. And Seven Samurai is a similar thing. I like I think I like Seven Samurai more than Ron. Um, but I, I just always sort of when I watched him, I just had like a lot of reverence for him as I was watching it. And it sort of like put me at a distance. Mm. You know, I had too much respect for what was going on almost. <laughs> and I couldn't like sink my teeth into it. You know, sort of like when you're like you're observing a painting in a museum and you and you don't want to like touch it because like there's so much reverence for it. But you can't really experience the the all the details of the painting unless you touch it and you feel every brush stroke. And I think like whenever I watch movies like this, I feel sort of similar about them. It's like I I'm so afraid to hate them (laughs) that I don't end up loving them. That's an interesting like they exhaust you. Yeah. Those, with those emotions by the end of it. Right. It, it's funny, though, because I've actually heard people talk about like how they should uh, like go into a director's work. It makes me wonder like if I had shown you this before something like Ron, which is like I, I do firmly believe in order to love Ron in a lot of ways, you have to you have to be at a certain point in your life with movies, first of all. Definitely. Uh, and if you're traversing through Kurosawa, you need to have taken some time with Kurosawa before you get to that movie. That that to me always feels like his Unforgiven. Yeah, and that was also the first Kurosawa movie I watched. Yeah, I know. And it's like you <laughs> you need to kind of almost understand where he's coming from when he gets to this point in his life making a movie yeah. like this. Yeah. As, as bleak as that one is. That one's not – I think his best is still The Seven Samurai. I mean it, what am I going to say? Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite is still actually Ron. Okay. That's the one that affected me the, the most. Got it. Yeah, I think I recognize Seven Samurai as like the most important and Seven it, Samurai. <laughs> What did I say? No, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's like, it's, oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, what I do you want? I thought you were correcting me. No. Oh. I thought I said nine samurai or something. It's six samurai. Okay. Six samurai. <laughs> yeah. We don't count to share Mifune's character. He wasn't a real samurai. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, yeah. High and low. I think it might be my favorite of his, but it's also like just my thing. Yeah, it yeah. is. No, and I recognize that too. I was like, okay, this is more his speed. Yeah. But if he doesn't like it, I'm going to be upset. I love it so much. Good. Apparently that dancing, the 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 heroine switch at the end of the movie was where that, the two characters are dancing. Did they they th- that almost seemed like they just walked right into a place and just started shooting in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um I don't know how that was shot, but uh that dance where the the drug is handed off to uh to the thief. That is what inspired pulp fiction. The dance sequence in pulp fiction. Is it? Apparently Tarantino, yeah, took a lot of the choreography from that shot. Interesting. Yeah. Is that the one? Okay, I got to look that up. So there you go. I almost thought it was another movie, but no, maybe I'm wrong. That's what I just read. Could be wrong. Cool. I mean, who knows? The internet is a game of telephone all the time, but... Yeah. I got yeah, to figure that one out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, you might be right, because I can, I, I can definitely see it. High and low. I certainly saw it in another movie we're going to be talking about later, where it's like, ooh, this is very Pulp Fiction-y with its dancing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Great Escape, not the one we're talking about. <laughs> Directed by John Sturgis, starring everyone you expect to be in this movie, essentially. Steve McQueen, James Gardner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, Donald Pleasance, and James Coburn. Like all of these guys must have made every single movie together. Yep. They were in every single fucking movie together. Uh, speaking of Seven Samurai, this is John Sturgis, same guy that made The Magnificent Seven, uh, nominated for Best Film Editing at the Oscars, 
Allied prisoners of war planned for several hundred of their number to escape from a German camp during World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, you know, just a classic American film. But you've never seen it. That I had never seen. Bastard. That I had never seen. But, I mean, I don't know. I'd seen clips from it. And, like, you know, I knew the clip knew. at the end where he goes, uh, good luck. And the guy says, thank you. And the chase begins in Germany. And, like, I don't know. You knew the theme. Yeah, I get it. You didn't. Did you ever play the theme at your high school marching band classes? No, because I did. So I knew I can probably to this day. I have it perfectly memorized in my head and I could do it by muscle memory. Gonna play it. Trying to. Yeah, everybody knows it. So, yeah, I mean, I knew The Great Escape. I just had never seen it. I don't know. You know it even if you haven't seen it. Yeah. There are many movies like that. Yeah, and I I realized actually watching it, I had seen a lot of these scenes in the past just in different places. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes a scene and puts it in the middle of the movie with Leo DiCaprio in it. Yep. (laughs) Um, uh, But this was the first time I sat down, watched the whole thing, and... um, Holy fucking shit, I love this movie. This movie's amazing. It's really good. This movie's incredible. Isn't it like the most fun movie you've ever seen? Oh my God, (laughs) it's so good. I watched this last night. I had the most, it was after the Yankees lost a playoff game last (laughs) night. Game three against Tampa. Who knows what's going to happen tonight? The audience will probably know before me, but they lost last night and it was a very difficult loss and I put this movie on and it like saved my evening. Good. It saved it. This movie is a treasure, isn't it? Oh my God. It's so moronic, it might actually work. (laughs) And then it doesn't work. (laughs) This movie is such Hollywood bullshit. Every single level. There is not a single performance here that is authentic in any way. There is not a a, a single scene that is not contrived and Hollywoodized and glamorized. There's no way that actual prisoners of war behaved like this or were treated in this way. There's no way the Nazis were that that nice to be around. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's no way there was a Gestapo that was that cool. Yeah. You know, it's like, eh, just go garden and just, you know, well, don't don't escape. And if you do try to escape, we're going to throw you back in there. (laughs) They wouldn't shoot him like they did with Richard Attenborough. You silly Americans. Like, there's no way that it actually happened that way. Who cares? But who the hell cares? It's so fun. Who gives a flying fuck? It's so fun. Yeah, fuck reality. This yeah. movie is a delight. <laughs> Everything about it makes me happy. It's one of those movies where I throw it on and I'm watching the entire thing. It's just so much fun. And again, like just one of my favorite ensemble casts. Oh, it's yeah. like it because it, what what sometimes happens with movies like this is that you'll have like a band of characters and it'll jump back and forth between them. And there's always a couple where you're like, 
I mean, you're fine, but I want to go back to this character. Yes, yes. I don't think there's a single moment where I'm, I'm unhappy with the character they're situating me with. Yes. And that's amazing. James Gardner and the blind guy. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Charles Bronson with his claustrophobia. Amazing. Yep. yep. Uh, Freaking James Coburn as the Australian guy. I yep. love me some James Coburn. Mm-hmm. And obviously McQueen here at the center who just gives like an all time Steve McQueen performance right here. Just the yep. most Steve McQueeny of Steve McQueen performances. Yep. He's so amazing in this. Isn't he great? Yeah, just like, yeah, you're going to be here when I get back? Promise? (laughs) (laughs) Off to the hall. And he just marches over there. He's like, yeah, it's my home. What does he have, like a a tennis ball? I always think of it as, it's a baseball, probably. Yeah, yeah, it's a baseball, yeah. yeah. I always think of it as a tennis ball because that image was seared into my head with Chicken Run before it was. Oh, right. (laughs) Before it was the great escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which which Chicken Run is just a parody of, essentially. Correct. Uh, But yeah, like, I've had this movie in my life for a very 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 long time it's i think it's one of my dad's favorite films and for similar reasons he just thinks it's just a a a wonderful happy experience despite the fact that it's not like always forgiving i mean like a great number of the characters do get killed i mean the ending is very bleak yeah like, it's it, a very bleak they, ending. you expect them to escape they don't escape right. guys <laughs> they don't yeah, given the tone yeah exactly right but it is like the least troubling version of this period of history. I know, I know. Which is okay. You know, you don't have to make the entire thing just dour and depressing. I mean, you couldn't make this movie today. You couldn't do it. Not not with this tone. Like, you would have to... Like, I think people would view it as sort of irresponsible and flippant and like just, you know... I mean, the... <sighs> playing around with history in a way that's kind of... I guess. I mean, it depends. I mean, Roberto Benigni did... Uh, what is that? Life is Beautiful? So, And people kind of like that, so... Yeah, but that's sort of that is a movie though about a guy in a very uh, in, in a very bad situation that trying sort of finds the, joy, and that's like built into it, yeah. the premise of the movie. Yeah, this one is just like ah, you know, it's not that bad being a prisoner of war. <laughs> the whole <laughs> how bad can it really be? We have a baseball team. <laughs> it's not fun. It doesn't make me want to be a prisoner of war. But I don't know. The Fourth of July parade was certainly a lot of fun. It's it's, per- it's perfectly fine, isn't it? All yeah. Right. All right, let's go back in time and see what that's like. Let's yeah. chill with the Nazis. That's what you want to do. Th- that's what I'm saying. Like, you couldn't make this movie today. No. That's my only point. Uh, still well uh, well regarded, though. Oh, I, for I, sure. I, I don't think this movie has, has lost its charm for, for, for like a day. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of like the machinations of everything that happens. And there's just something so oddly satisfying about the way they escape, too. I, 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 it's, it's, I don't know. There's like a texture to this movie that is just so pleasant to me whenever I turn it on where it's like it's funny you say that because I sort of like being in this story and escaping with these guys when it's going along. Right. So even if I wouldn't want to actually be a prisoner of war, I just have fun escaping with them. Yes. So. Well, yeah, it's a big method movie, right? Yeah. It's it's just all about how the who, what, where, when, why are sort of irrelevant. The how is really what this movie is all about. Yeah. Um, and although these characters are fun, they're not necessarily like incredibly well drawn. They are just sort of mechanisms like in oceans 11 or whatever to advance the plot and to give us this awesome set piece at the end. Sure. Um, and that's entirely what this is. Although there are some like really touching character moments in there. Prison break movies are always going to work. They're always going to work. We were talking about this with midnight express a couple weeks ago. Like they're just sub sub sub, some sub genres that no matter what heist movies, the exact same way, 
poker movie, same way. Yeah. Like, I'm going to watch that movie front to back, and no matter how terrible it is, <laughs> this subject matter is going to get the job done. That's a good point. Thinking about it now, it's like, I don't know a single like Prison Break movie that I don't love. Yeah. I, I love pretty much every Prison Break movie I've seen. I can't name one. I love the vast majority of heist films that I've seen. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, or, or like Sting Operation movies. They're Always just, the best. They're just awesome. I, I Again, like try, the, the anxiety and, and also the just the sheer pressure of not knowing whether or not the character has things on top or mm. if, if he's if he's ahead of his villain or whatever. Right. I just like trying to figure out like if he's if he actually knows what he's doing and mm. to see if they'll get away with it or if they won't. And the interesting thing about this one is that like it's just sort of a ragtag method. What's what's so stressful about this one, but also fun at the same time is that these guys are kind of buffoons at mm. the end of the day, just pulling off a, a very like haphazard escape and they just managed to do it. And again, it's one of those instances where it's like, it's almost crazy enough to work and it almost does, but it doesn't quite. Right. How many people actually get away? Like two? I think they say that uh, 50 died and 72 broke out total. So 22 made it, but none of the main characters. No. Actually, no, one. I think it was just James Coburn. What about the guys on the boat? No, they got caught too, didn't they? Did they get caught? No. I know. uh, No, I don't remember. I know Richard Attenborough dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gets shot in the field. Right. And Steve McQueen ends up back in the cell. But again, is the funny thing that Richard Attenborough says? Doesn't he say like this is like some of the most fun I've ever had in my life or something? Yes, like that? yeah, he does. Right? It's like I I do love the, the, <laughs> the film the films <laughs> the film just trying its best to to say like no matter how shitty things get like there's always a way to to, to look on the, to entertain yourself to look on the bright side <laughs> as as bullshitty as that is given the given the setting I'm like it it, it is so endearing with it I really don't mind I it. mean it's not exactly as self aware as like you know Monty Python's Life of Brian where they're saying always look on the bright side as they're on a literal crucifix yeah. But yeah, I, I get your meaning. You know, there there is something there is something just very like old school traditional American cinema about this that is just very charming. It's just a very American movie in that way. Yes. But again, like as as the uh, the filmmakers had a choice to end it like like bleak and dour and depressing, but they chose not to do that. And I guess that's what I'm saying, where it's like uh, the film, like it makes the conscious choice to say, like, it's it's going to be OK. Yeah. You know doesn't matter if they don't escape it's i mean gonna, they do win the war they do <laughs> so it's about time you got here jesus christ how about when like they're in the shower and they're digging out that that <laughs> hole underneath the shower drain yeah and and uh, charles bronson's taking a shower and they go what are you doing and he goes i'm taking a shower and then he g- turns to james coburn who's just standing there and he goes what are you doing he goes i'm watching him i'm a lifeguard <laughs> <laughs> There's so much great dialogue in this movie. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, you just combine it with awesome movie stars, with funny, quippy dialogue, and solid direction from John Sturgis, and a prison break, and that's what you get. Is it one of the great movies ever made? Certainly not. But is it one of the most fun? Yeah, I think so. Oh, it's got a great legacy. I think nowadays people would consider it a great movie, but like from in terms of like technical merit, I wouldn't necessarily call it that. But listen, it's a great movie. It's not yes. a great film. Yes, yes, for you. Right? Oh, are you adopting something I love to say? Capital M movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There it's awesome. I had such a good time last night. It really warmed my heart. I'm glad I watched this. Yes. I'm glad I watched this. What else do you want to say about it? I really have nothing else to say other than it's the great escape and it's a great time. What do you want me to say? It's uh, th- this happens a lot. It's the great escapism. It's, it's the greatest great escape I've ever s- seen. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah, I, 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 I wish I had a boo button on my uh, soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets to a point where you're like, yeah, I just love everything about it, and let's move on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I really do love this movie. Yeah, I, I'm sorry that we're not going into more depth, but I just like really like all of these movies unabashedly, and I'm yeah. having a hard time saying anything bad. Well, let's keep going. Yeah, let's see if we can find something bad to say. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Directed by Stanley Kramer, starring Spencer Tracy, Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Buddy Hackett, Mickey Rooney, and Jonathan Winters. But I mean, that only scratches the surface of who's in this movie. Yeah, was... Carl Reiner makes a cameo in this movie. Oh my god! Uh, it, it, does Buster Keaton show up at some point too? Yes, he does. As do the Three Stooges. Yes, all Three Stooges are in this movie. Uh, let me pull up the full list at IMDb. Oh my god! Give you a couple more. This podcast is going to be two hours long. <laughs> uh yeah let's see uh maybe we said everybody peter falks in this movie uh don knotts is in this movie yep yeah crazy just about every every comedic legend of the 60s shows up it's really just an incredible ensemble cast uh winner of best sound effects at the academy awards also nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, and Best Original Song, the most nominated movie on this list. It's Mad, 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 Mad World. Fascinating. A group of motorists hear about a crook's hidden stash of loot and race against each other across the country to get to it. Okay. This is a movie that has been in my life for a very long time. Ooh, yeah. My father adores this movie. Um, and I watched it not too long ago, but it, it it is definitely one that has been referenced a lot and has always been near and dear to my heart. And this is the first time that you have seen it. Yes. So <laughs> lay it on me. I'd like to point out that I saw Rat Race before this, which is the remake. Wrong order. <laughs> Wrong order. <laughs> which Rat Race was a lot of fun. Is I it know. a remake? Sort of a spiritual successor. Is it really a remake? It's a remake. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I tell you right now, it's a fucking remake. I guess it is. Uh, it, we'll call it a reboot because it's not literally all the characters. Like, yeah, like I don't know. It's 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 not a remake in the same way that King Kong is a remake. <laughs> I'd say more of a ripoff than a remake, though. Well, it's it, they they have it, it's not like uh, shy about the fact that it is a remake of that movie. Like that that's what it was conceived as. Okay, there you go. Oh yeah, you're hundred percent right. It is listed as a remake though yeah. on IMDb. So, okay. And that movie's good. I, I had a lot of fun with that movie. Um, <laughs> it's a mad, 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 mad world. Yeah, first time I ever saw it. My my parents also loved this movie quite a bit. Um, I guess I'll 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 speak my criticisms. It doesn't okay. doesn't matter. It's way too fucking long. <laughs> Let me just get that out of the way. For it's a it's an absurdist comedy that's like like two hours and forty minutes long. And two hours and forty minutes. It's really long what kind of fucking basic cable cut did you watch 240 why what's the long oh it's 330 baby oh boy oh yeah no the original cuts three hours 30 minutes oh boy what kind of a bridged bullshit did you watch oh my god <laughs> kind of slim down it's a mad you watch it's a mad mad world you didn't watch a mad 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 world <laughs> yeah i saw it maybe you watch it's a mad 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 world damn yeah, okay, well, there you go. We're talking, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, maybe they just cut down the intermissions and shit, and, and the longest opening title Yeah, sequence. 240 <laughs> is definitely not the length I watch for the first time. Let me assure you of that. <laughs> well, how long does it say it is? Because now This I'm... says 330 right here. Okay. What a... 
Because that's weird. Well, yeah. there have been different cuts, actually. Uh, Criterion just put out a, a restored cut that pieces together like uh, like laser disc versions of the movie and uh, theatrical versions. Like it's kind of hard to see an entire print of the original cut. Uh, it's hard to find. Uh, there, I think actually stills were incorporated as part of that Criterion version because like the original footage doesn't exist anymore. I see. Uh, I'll tell you right now actually what all of the versions were. So there was a version in which version did I see? Okay, the original cut, which was released in theaters originally, two hours and ten minutes. Three thirty is the original cut. Uh, they then slimmed it down to 192 minutes um, for its premiere. I think then theatrical release after the premiere, it was 161 minutes. That's the version I saw. Okay. And then it has since been restored to 197. Okay. So I saw like a classic version of the movie. Yeah. That's fine. No, you didn't get the whole experience. No, I didn't though. get the whole You didn't get the whole... You're missing some some oh. context. Is this the first time you're, you're advocating for a director's cut? Is that what I'm hearing? What's going on? I want like the producer's cut, the actor's <laughs> cut... The casting director's cut. Give me every cut of this movie. This is. Give me the gaffer's cut. You're a. Give me the best boy's cut. You're a strange person. It's like. Give it all to me. So this is your Blade Runner. Wow. I want weird. nine hours if it's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> Some of us have Blade Runner. You have it's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> okay. Like, why are you complaining? It's too long. It is too long. That's the movie, though. But that's it's a mad, 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 mad world, though. No, it's it's definitely that's what it is. It's long. That's part of the point is that it's long. It's yes, I know. It's <laughs> there are many like very long winded moments where the where the pages of dialogue go on for like tw- like ten to twenty pages. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, damn straight. Oh my god, wrap it up, please. Uh yeah, but who gives a shit? This movie's fantastic. <laughs> 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 I certainly don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I swear to God, when I say I want the five-hour cut, I'm not kidding. I binge-watch shows on Netflix for longer periods of time than that. You know what I mean? This movie never stops. It is yeah. an unrelenting comedy. I think it is the sort of epic comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't yeah. think of another comedy that's this long. And I'm talking about, like, broad comedies yeah. that are this long. Yeah, it's, it's Fury Road if Fury Road was a comedy. Right. That's there, all it is. Yeah, there are <laughs> dramedies that, you know, are maybe that push the two-and-a-half-hour mark. Yeah. But, like, for a broad sort of slapstick comedy like this one a screwball comedy in a traditional sense three hours and 30 minutes but like i don't know that's just what the movie is to me it's a very long movie and you sign up for it when you go into it because it is a movie that is overwrought in every single way it is just overflowing with cast it is overflowing with charisma it is overflowing with laughs it is overflowing with set pieces this is a comedy of excess in the purest sense of the word and so the runtime, of course, is going to be a part of that. Like you can't have an excess, a comedy of excess without excess running time. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want more. Give me more, 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 more of this movie. Yep. Um, and you know, coming from me, like that is really saying something because yeah. I'm usually very sensitive to yeah. the long run times. And you don't like excess. No, generally, <laughs> generally not. I was like, this is, this is, this movie doesn't know what restraint is. No. <laughs> it has no idea no what, that, chill. what that concept is. This movie is like, like, y- it doesn't do it credit to just say this movie is go, go, go. This movie is like go, go, go while making a thousand pit stops along the way. Yes. While packing the trunk until the, the, <laughs> it, it shoots open because you. <laughs> There's so much movie And we are going to destroy everything. (laughs) Every structure in the middle of this desert is going to be on the ground. It is is controlled chaos. That's what this movie is. 
And I love it. I yes. fucking love the movie. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's insane. It makes it makes no sense half the time, but in all the best ways, these characters are just wonderful. And I I I, I can't stress it enough how funny each and every one of them are. Well, who's your favorite performance in the movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Mickey. Yeah, you gotta love Mickey. I like Buddy. Yeah. I mean, Buddy Hackett is just doing his Buddy Hackett thing. But when they're in the plane and they knock the guy out in the back, that's too funny. And they're talking to the <laughs> air traffic control. It's a great shot <laughs> when the plane is about to hit the air traffic control building, and the two like traffic controllers start holding hands, <laughs> waiting for the plane to hit them. And then at the last second, it veers out of the way. <laughs> But that's the whole movie. <laughs> I can't. I can't. There, there's. There are about a hundred thousand uh, uh, projection effects. Yeah, you're just driving in a car, and there's like a projection in the background of sure. all the other stuff that happens. And I realized while watching this movie, like one of my favorite things in a comedy, in a, like a crazy comedy, is when cars get into horrible accidents. Oh my god! I real like I ha- like there are moments in movies like this and like the Blues Brothers where I just can't stop laughing. Yeah. It's just so funny to see someone wreck their car and just right. and just the most like sudden quick way where it's like oh my god that just happened and it just makes you laugh right i i i I loved everything about like the the level of destruction in this movie yeah this is a movie where every structure is the most fragile thing in the world yet every human body is the most infallible yep you know seeing the gas station fall apart just at like 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 a a tap of the wrist immaculate it's the best immaculate (laughs) he just picks up the guy throws him through a metal wall oh there you go it's in and there goes the gas station okay they can't open that damn door at the hardware store (laughs) how about the fireworks in the hardware store just try the door and then the whole structure falls off This movie doesn't stop. There's that moment too where uh where you know I think it's Sid Caesar plays that guy, right? And he and he just starts hammering at the door as hard as he possibly can mm. with just a sledgehammer. It's like you watch that and you're like this movie is off the fucking rails. It's at the point where you you the audience sort of feel it at like the 2 hour mark. It's like all you want to do is take a sledgehammer and just start banging the door with it. Yeah. And it's it's literally synthesized on screen for you. Yes. You know what I mean? Where the guy is just hacking away like he's Jack Nicholson in The Shining, but it's just so fucking funny. That is the thing about this movie. It is unapologetically funny. <laughs> and it's not funny in like a little clever way. It's not funny like, "Oh, aren't we cute?" and like, you know, it puts Spencer Tracy on on yeah. on, on a on a on a what am I trying to a, a fire truck on yeah. a, on a giant ass ladder flinging him around yeah this movie doesn't care at all flings him through a fucking window it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Rooney gets zapped on a, a telephone poles <laughs> it's it's <laughs> the shots of them falling off. oh it's and so just, good just how physics don't make any sense yeah oh I can't get enough of it. there's nothing I, I, that's another thing I love in movies where they just say laws of physics what, what the hell is that right. Right. It's great. Um, <laughs> and then we got to talk about Dick Sean, mm. who plays Sylvester. Oh, God. Speaking of the dancing. Holy shit. The, the, there's a, a scene in this movie where I'm not even going to explain who these people are, but there is a male and there's a female. There's sort of like a young deadbeat guy who's just hanging around L.A. and just smoking pot and banging his hot girlfriend. And the girlfriend is in a bikini and he's got no shirt on. And they do this dance routine by themselves in their apartment for what seems like four hours. Yep. Like, honey, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to dance. 
<laughs> and she has no emotion on her face. <laughs> it is so perfect. It is the weirdest <laughs> shit, and I couldn't get enough of it. And I was watching it with Abby, and she she looked like... Did she watch the whole thing with you? Yeah, actually. Good for her. Yeah. She stuck it out with you. Yeah, she really likes Rat Race, too, so she was she was having a, a pretty good time with this one. Oh, perfect. So, but we, but we get to like moments like that, and she looks like one of those characters in The Incredibles 2 who has like their mind controlled, and they're just like... Oh. Right. <laughs> so good. It's great. So good. It's great. And it's a, it's a very rewatchable film just for the level of antics. It's just chaos. Oh, I caught a bunch of clips on YouTube as I was researching for this thing. I love movies that put their actors through this level of, of, of excess. Yeah. (laughs) But with, with, with like just total reckless abandon, it's just wonderful to see a movie go all in like this and just have, have a, have a blast doing it to see Spencer Tracy in this is just and he's funny too, by the way. Just when he's getting those awesome. call, the calls from his wife and just his expressions he makes just cracks. When me he up. puts the two phones next to each <laughs> yeah. other and they start <laughs> yeah. arguing, and he's just like a defeated man. Yep, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, this movie's also like a big anxiety trip too. It might not be like a good anxiety. I was, for, a movie for someone with that suffers from anxiety. I think I even mentioned that I, I, when I when I because I, I wrote a review about it and I said that this is the most anxiety ridden film I've seen since Uncut Gems. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, it similar is. vibe. Yeah, definitely. It, no, it's just like nonstop. It's like when, when it, it, a movie that like suspends like the 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 resolution to this degree. Oh my god! Like you're you're gonna lose a lot of hair while watching it, but it's just it. <laughs> you're kind of happy that you did, I would say. Yeah, it's just laugh. Throw a banana in the center of the room. Just laugh. Right. Who cares? Oh, God. Amazing. Why can't they make a movie like this anymore? What would that movie be? I don't know. What, The Hangover? I don't know. I don't know. The Hangover is similar in a lot of ways. Well, the problem is we just don't have a collection of comedic actors that good anymore. Which is That's also a problem, yeah. We just don't have anybody at the level of Sid Caesar or Buddy Hackett or Mickey Rooney or Spencer Tracy. We just no, don't have it. No. And we it, don't have a Jonathan Winters anymore. And they don't control like a chunk of the industry where it felt like these people did. So Yeah. Man. We're not as dependent on those kinds of stars or actors. So, yeah. You know? And they don't, they also don't care to be this. That's the other issue. You know, you get Bradley Cooper wants to go off and do more serious fare, which is okay, but you know, it shows like the, the I don't know, the lack of interest in comedy nowadays, I guess. Yeah. But just like this type of comedy. Like, here's what I don't understand. Like, everything has to be vulgar. Everything has to be the hangover. Everything is like Todd Phillips, Judd Apatow shit. Yeah. This is still funny. It is. This is still funny to be, you know what I mean? Like, ask like your average 15 year old. They will still find this movie funny. You know? Boy, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, because I I agree. Like, our comedy sensibilities haven't evolved that much. Like, there are certain comedies that were made in the 40s and the 50s that do not translate now because like it was too green. It was, you know, it was, it was too pure. It was too wholesome. Like this movie where they're fucking destroying a gas station, where, where Jonathan Winters is destroying a gas station. Like that's still funny. That still plays. That still works. It, but it's been a long, it, no, you're right. You're right. But I don't know. Something about it just doesn't seem as appealing to, I don't know, studio heads or what? I don't know. I Maybe. Don't know. I don't know what audiences would think. I'm not in the meetings. I don't know. It depends. But again, like, I don't know what the focus groups are com- saying. Well, comedies are also at a pretty significant low point. Like we just don't get good comedies anymore. Yeah. My favorite comedy that came out in the last, uh, Jesus, the last couple of years was what the hell was it called? Um, that was directed by Olivia Wilde. 
Oh, uh, Booksmart. Booksmart. I love Booksmart. Yeah. That, that movie cracked me up. But that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. I want more of this. I want another screwball comedy. Well, at least we have it. It's good that we have it just in general. Can Damien Chazelle like make a screwball comedy or something? No. You know? No. no. Like an old school, like just studio technicolor comedy? He could try. <laughs> he's, he's too interested in music, dude. Yeah, he's just not funny enough, too, is the other thing. Yeah, that's also true. Oh, I love this movie. Me too. I love, love it. it. All right. Oh, this is a fun fact, by the way. Oh, yeah. I read this is the only fun fact I wrote down today just because it tickled me so much. Uh, I don't even know if this is real or if Wikipedia is just bullshitting me, but Stanley Kramer considered adding a fifth mad to the title before deciding it was redundant, but noted in interviews that he later regretted it. I don't believe that he said that or considered it. Or he I, said that fifth mad was too redundant. Rather, I, I, I first don't, four mads fine. I don't believe that he he didn't do that. <laughs> but it, it seems like the article is taking his his word too seriously. It sounds like he was just fucking around. He later regretted it. Should be mad, 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 mad. Well, I put it on the record that he uh, uh, regretted it. When re- in reality, I'm sure he was like, yeah, that was funny. Final movie on the list. Yes, eight and a half. Directed by Federico Fellini. Starring some Italians. I'm allowed to say that I'm Italian. Yes, you are. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that until today. Okay. Winner of Best Costume Design and Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Also nominated for Director, Original Screenplay, and Art Direction. A harried movie director retreats into his memories and fantasies. This is a movie without a plot. More or less. Not much of a plot at all, other than it's a movie about a director... Uh, about a nervous director made by a nervous director, or at least that's what it seems like. It's a lot like Synecdoche, New York. A lot like that. Yeah, definitely. It's a little, it's got, it's a little more pleasant of an experience, I would say. Yes. But in essence, yeah, very similar. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's your experience with this movie? I saw this movie on my own just because I heard it was great. I had gone through many lists of directors and mm. this one pops up on almost all of them. Yes. Every director that has ever lived adores eight and a half. Yes. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll do you guys a solid. I'll watch the movie. And it was sometime, it might have even been like freshman year of college, like before I was like, like even taking those classes. I just wanted to see this movie. And um, I guess my, my ambitions in filmmaking had, had grown a bit since then. So I had... I I, I I was I was a little worried that I, I, when watching it I might not understand some of the pressures of the Guido character. Yes, um, and I I would say I did understand a, a, quite a few of them, but at the same time, even separate and apart from that, um, it was like instantly one of the best movies I'd ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just on a deeply personal artistic note of just like a film that is just like sheer catharsis for Fellini. That's like what this movie is to a T. It is just an art, or another poetic, artistic statement by him as a person, just trying to get all of his frustrations out there right. in like a beautiful way that people can understand, and just like really illuminating like what it means to be someone in this position and how it can affect your life and those around you, and sort of like how your work is a reflection of your life itself. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, yeah, and similar to Synecdoche, New York, that that. Um that that like sort of 
I don't know, that pressure to represent your life 100% accurately and to like lay it all out there to be truthful. We, we just talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about Charlie Kaufman, but like that dude clearly has a lot of pressure to always write truthfully yep. and to always speak the truth, whatever that truth is. And, he, you know, at times he will lose sight of like what is cinematic and like what is expected of you as a filmmaker. And this movie is similar in that way. Like Fellini feels like sort of this slave, like uh, the um, uh, sort of uh, this mission to, represent his life and to articulate exactly what he's feeling about the women around him and about the pressures that he's feeling. And uh, I don't know how much of it is autobiographical. Well, it's very well known that this is very, I mean, not like literally autobiographical, but the Guido character is a stand in for Fellini. Everybody knows that. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, like I do think you have to be a very specific type of person to understand that anxiety. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I forgot what exactly I said when I was like reflecting on it because I watched it again and I just sort of appreciated the level of, hmm, I mean, I'm trying to remember like what exactly I had like a, a, an interesting idea as to what, like what it was really getting at. But there's, there's something about just like, like, like be, be, again, I guess you kind of alluded to it already, but just being honest with yourself before you could do anything with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of love that idea through and through. And not again, not just how it relates to his work, but also just how it relates to the people he cares about. Because it's very obvious, like by the end of it, he is sort of sided with, OK, you know, at the end of the day, like if I don't have these people in my life, it, none, none of this matters. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess it is the opposite theme of synecdoche in that way like he finally finds solace when he just makes a movie for him yeah as opposed to when he's just trying to impress the studios or trying to make something work for audiences or when he's trying to impress the women in his life like when he finally makes a movie just for him Mm -hmm. that's when he ultimately uh you know has that moment of catharsis and that's when that giant parade at the end ultimately happens uh here's what i'll say i really like the movie Mm -hmm. i respect the movie a ton it's one of those movies though, that unless you can really sink your teeth into it and see a part of yourself in it, Mm. uh, you're sometimes sort of kept at a distance, I guess. And, uh, I do think this character has more of your anxieties than my anxieties. Maybe. And maybe that's why I didn't respond to it in the way that you responded to it. Mm. Um, and I do think like your mileage is going to vary when, like you make a movie entirely set in one person's head and it's just sort of like this absurdist collage of just random thoughts and dreams. Okay. Like your mileage is going to vary unless you can relate to those specific thoughts and dreams and say like, Oh yeah, I had that nightmare once where I was a balloon over the beach and I was literally (laughs) being yanked down by other people. And that did, by the way, freak me the fuck out. This is a very much a movie that like is is in line with other movies that you like, though. It's, definitely, so. definitely. It just didn't speak to me in the way that maybe those other movies did speak to me. Okay, interesting. I mean, it's not as it's it. <laughs> those movies are not as hopeful, though. I guess maybe that's the difference. Like, there's nothing hopeful about Synecdoche, New York. Definitely the difference. So definitely, yeah. yeah. I prefer I prefer the hopeful ending. <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Which is strange because usually I'm a very like cynical human being but this one makes a lot more sense to me it also like earns that ending through and through just like putting this character through the ringer with every possible anxiety imaginable where it's where it's like the only thing he could do is just kind of call it quits to what the the project he was working on and you Mm. know you know face things that are a little more honest and truthful i'll tell you what it gave me vibes of all that jazz oh yeah i well i said this when we were talking about all that jazz is how much that relates to 
how much this relates to all that jazz or how but much that relates to this. Even the ending of all that jazz didn't work for me. Mm. Is, is it these characters? These types of people? I don't thing, know. I don't get that at all, though. I mean, the movie is I is so just like a joy to behold. Mm. Like, it's just such an entertaining movie, nonetheless. It's a movie that just totally sings with all of its characters. It's so, like, ch- like, like full of life. I never feel at a distance, regardless of the fact that there's a the characters can be a little esoteric. Uh-huh. Um, but they're just awesome. <laughs> they're just fully fleshed out people. And we really take the time to, 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 to kind of live with them and understand them where it's like, even, even though like Guido is, um, I don't know. He's not always, he's certainly not a perfect human being, but you always feel bad for him. Yeah, it, certainly. And really, I think Fellini is the star of this movie. I mean, this is a movie about style and it's about, you know, absurdist imagery and what that can evoke. And I'm, I'm always going to respect that. And I'm, I, really love the style in this movie. Like it's just like a really sleek looking movie. The cutting is incredible. It's just like another immaculate like artifact similar to high and low. It's like Fellini clearly knows what the hell he's doing at this point in his career. I think, and I, I'm not a Fellini historian, but I think at this point in his career, he has sort of moved on to, you know, that more esoteric abstract period. And he's sort of sick of just all the formalist shit. Yeah. Um, And this is what he ultimately makes. And at the time, critics responded to it in different ways. I think some really appreciated it. Won the Oscar, obviously, for foreign film. Uh, And others were like kind of full of bullshit, you know, jerk off motion, whatever. Uh, I'm definitely more on the side of this is a brilliant, you know, fucking absurdist piece of art. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and I I don't want to end this podcast on a downer because I really do like this movie (laughs) and I love all of the movies on the list. I truly do. I don't know. There's just something very specific about the anxieties of this movie that don't speak to me. And I don't know why it's weird. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's a movie that only like directors would understand. I never, I never got yeah. even on rewatch. I didn't get that impression at all because of how much of it relates to this guy's just own personal life. Cause a lot of it, I mean, the movie is sort of split into two halves where it's like the, the, the director side and just like the, the, the guy, just mm-hmm. like what he's dealing with, with his family and how one feeds the other and how you can kind of attribute both things to like, if, if I wanted to, connect connect this to real life just how your job in general affects you know everyone else around you sure it's not it doesn't need to be film entire it just is film because it's federico's fellini on federico fellini's understanding yeah it's his own personal experience i don't i don't think it's something that no one could get out of it it is i mean maybe not maybe not just specific to filmmakers but it's certainly specific to artists though right i guess i mean it's the pressure to express oneself which you can't necessarily say about like a I don't think I think a construction foreman you I know don't, I don't really agree with that no no and I think that's my my takeaway is just just how like again how deeply personal it is in a, in a weird way but I don't know I've always felt like people kind of struggle with that stuff okay you know in that form of expressing themselves regardless of the job they have to do you know yeah. No, I get it. I'm sorry if I'm a little lukewarm on it because I, I, I maybe I'm I'm underselling it even now because I watched the movie and I was really blown away by the visuals here. I mean, I think it's by, I truly was because I think it's by far the best movie on the list. I don't know how you can say by far. Yeah, no, I think it's by, by far. I think it's by far the best film on the list. Yeah, I don't think it's even close. I think you're overstating it a hair. No, Nico, no. Or maybe you're understating the other movies. I don't know how you can watch this in High and Low and say this is in a different league than High and Low. High and Low is a fucking masterpiece of a movie, and this is not. <laughs> yeah it is no i be you're the one that said by far not me i think it's by far better i really do i because I, like again the other issue is that with high and low is because as good as it is it's not like 
Kurosawa is like, I don't think so what? I think people necessarily consider it his best best, you know? Well, some people think La Dolce Vita is, is Fellini's best, right? Yeah, sure. They also, most people consider this his best. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. I really, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love it. I thought visually this was a marvel to look at. Yeah, it's, Truly. And I love that opening where, where it's just like a, like a, like that opening almost works as a short film for like the pressures of everyone else around him and expectations. And no matter what he does, even if he's just in his car, people are just watching him. Even if he needs help in his car, people just don't give a shit. They're just kind of waiting, even though it's all surreal. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. A lot of nightmare imagery for sure. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Also, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Didn't really know what was going on for a lot of it. Hmm. Didn't really know what was going on. Well, there's the problem. Had to read the Wikipedia synopsis afterwards. Too much fucking subtitles and images, and I didn't know what was happening. Hard to follow. Eh. Also, so I watched this on HBO Max because they have a lot of the Criterion collection on there. And I'm, I'm watching it on... Uh, Amazon Fire Sticks don't have HBO Max on them yet, mm. but I found a way to get HBO Max onto the Fire Stick. Okay, but it's sort of like a unreliable app, and it sometimes lags. And yeah. so I'm watching the movie, and the dialogue is not matching. Yeah, yeah, the mouths, and I'm like, oh no, my app must be wrong. Something's wrong with my app, and now it's like throwing me off because the words are not matching their mouths. Well, that's- and I'm reading the subtitles, and I'm going back and forth, and I I'm just overloaded, overloaded. Oh. And then I come to find out that, yeah, most Fellini movies are dubbed afterwards. Yeah, most movies of this era are dubbed afterwards. What do you mean? Well, Italian movies specifically. Many films of this era are, are dubbed afterwards. What movies in 1963 are dubbed afterwards? I mean, dude, that's just how they worked. A lot of movies were like that. None of the movies that we talked about today were like that. Are you sure? I mean, I'm sure High and Low might have been. No. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. There's a lot more ADR that goes on in movies. Even just movies today, you'd be surprised how, how often they're dubbed over. Maybe not 100% like the way like the Dollars trilogy is. It's 100% dubbed over. That's how Italian films generally are. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's what I mean, though. It's yeah, an yeah. Italian thing, and it was confusing me because yeah, I'm yeah. like, what's happening here? Oh. Yeah. So you haven't seen enough Italian films then? Apparently not. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a disgrace to my heritage. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't you didn't watch this movie properly at all. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That right I was now. in the wrong state of mind. You, you can't you can't just stop the movie and like wait what? It's like just watch the movie. No, I watched the whole movie and then I read the Wikipedia afterwards. But were you like stopping and and re, re going back and no. reading the stuff? No, subtitle. Okay, all right. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you watched this properly. No, I was confused. <laughs> no, I watched it properly. I was just confused. Mm. Okay, it's not confusing at all, though. <laughs> I don't find it confusing. Too much dialogue. <laughs> so I didn't what? know who was who at first. I didn't realize if that mistress was actually a mistress or she was just a friend, and then all of a sudden they had sex, and I'm like, oh, that's a mistress. Why are they staying in different rooms then? Why do you get her a different hotel? Is he married? She's married, yes. too? I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I'm an idiot, okay? Yeah, I'm like, an idiot. It's like, it seemed pretty obvious to me. I'm an idiot, okay, <laughs> Mr. Fucking... <laughs> fucking Bernardo Bellucci, relax. <laughs> You fucking Italians. <laughs> I love the movie. It's a great movie. Okay. okay. Am I not convincing you? No, you're not convincing me at all. <laughs> you're you're the definition of lukewarm right now. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 by far and away my winner and I I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, okay, my choice personally is it's a mad, 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 mad world. Really? Yeah. No. Gun to my head, that is the best movie that came out this it's year. Very, what? Yeah. 
that's better than eight and a half it's dude, in I, my in my opinion you could say you do you, okay question you think it's a better movie or you just have more fun with it there's a difference no, i think i like it more that's a, i don't care <laughs> i like it well you like eight and a half more i like predator more than citizen kane but citizen kane's a better movie <laughs> no i acknowledge that eight and a half is probably the most important movie that came out this you don't year think it's better than it's a bad 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 world Come on. Come on, dude. I just think personally one moves me more than another does i don't get fine that that's okay i mean that's what we're talking about objective merits here like what objectively obviously yeah of course it's 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 better made of course yes okay of course it is that's fine plenty of times you have faith i would say high and low though on a technical level Uh, honestly like just formalist Mm. That is a straightforward story that has a lot of interesting stuff to say and is perfectly acted and perfectly directed. There's not a single frame of that movie that is wrong in any shape or form, any way, shape or form. I would probably attribute the same thing to Eight and a Half, aside from the straightforward comment. Everything about that. Well, Eight and a Half is in a different category where it's like it's abstract and like the mistakes are part of the movie. You know what I mean? The imperfections are part of it. They're built into imperfections to Eight and a Half, though, dude. Oh, I, 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 no, find, I, I don't mean I, like, but I find like every choice. I don't mean in, like the green screen was showing. No, I mean no, no, like no. I'm just. No, I, I mean, but again, like all the choices in eight and a half are very deliberate, and they, kind, oh, yeah, and they kind of all work, and yeah. the performances are even more joyful, in my opinion. You know, and has to me, it has a lot more to say. You know, and it's it's that, I don't know. It's hard being an artist, I guess, and it's hard being a man that has. To, you're attributing it to just artists, though. I attribute no, it to I, just many, many people in general. I've also seen a lot of movies like this. I've seen more movies like High and Low. Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> These tend to be a little more grating, though. Oh. <laughs> like, look at me. I'm such an important artist, and I, I have sex with lots of women, oh. and they all hate me now because oh. they're meeting each other. We, we, I want to go and, and listen back to your feelings on Synecdoche in New York and just be baffled by them now because this is the same idea. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> it's very I, strange. No, I honestly don't know. I don't know what's missing. I'm confused. I can't figure it I'm out. I'm highly confused right now. <laughs> I wish we could get to the bottom of this now. I truly don't. I don't know. I'd have to sleep on this some more. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about this. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I think it's the happy ending. I think it's the fact that they all did a fucking parade at the end, <laughs> and everybody's be- and and everybody loves each other. You don't think it earns that? <laughs> Give it everything that hmm. everyone's put through. No. You, know, I suppose you have no sympathy earned, for I suppose characters. they've earned a parade. You have no sympathy for... Oh, you took it entirely literally, too? <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> there, there are characters in that in that scene who are long dead to this character. Like, they're, they're way too old. Like, the, like the, the, the stripper at the beach. I get that it takes place in his head, Adam. I understand that. <laughs> I, I'm, I understand that he doesn't actually shoot himself. <laughs> oh, really? All right, I get it. <laughs> you I'm fooled, not that dumb. You could have fooled me. <laughs> Dude, dude, it's not even close. It's eight and a half. It's not even close. I'm sorry. Like, fine. This movie's a miracle. Fine. Fine. (laughs) One of the best part about this, I didn't have to use my veto. (laughs) Fine. It's like I was looking. I like the movie a lot. I like the movie a lot. All right. I'm kind of allergic, though, to movies that take place in somebody's head. No, you're not. A little bit. <laughs> no, you're a little, not. A little bit. A little bit. That is such bullshit. A little bit. A little bit. Shut up. A little That's, bit. That is nonsense. A little bit. Oh, why? A little bit. <laughs> that Repulsion, is... same thing. 
<sighs> same thing. We had the exact same conversation about repulsion. But you also love like adaptation. Uh, not really what I'm talking about, but that's all right. What about uh, being John Malkovich? <laughs> not the, definitely not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you do love Synecdoche, New York. <laughs> Uh, not again. Not what I'm talking about. I don't know. Like I don't the, know. Lo- the logic in that world, though, like it is still a logically sound movie. Is it? <laughs> like obviously, like it's absurd, and there are absurd yeah. elements to it. But it's- the idea of just like a guy in the real world hallucinating about the shit in his past. Like obviously, there's a trillion movies like that. I'm just sort of allergic to that. I don't know. And that's not what's whatever. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's identical in that way. What are we doing next week? I don't know. Let's just do Refn. How about that? And I'll, I'll pick something else because <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> <sighs> this is annoying. I don't understand you whatsoever. That, that reaction is stupid. That's what that is. That's a stupid reaction to a movie. <laughs> All right. Nicholas winning Refn next Yeah, week. how about it? <laughs> And Go ahead. And what and are I'll, we doing? Tell me what we're doing. Just tell me. All right. Then the following week, you got to do Pink Panther then. Okay. Okay? All right. That's fine. So get ready. I'll nominate him right now. Go ahead. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to do Pusher, Pusher 2, Bronson, uh, Drive. How many films do you want? Six or five? Which, how many? I would prefer to only watch five. Okay. Well, actually, I don't have to watch Drive again. Yeah. But how many Pink Panther films are you going to do? Five? or I will follow your lead. Whatever you five. do here, I will do for Pink Panther. Uh, you will find, as much as I like Valhalla Rising, you're going to find it unconscionably boring. <laughs> and you've already seen Only God Forgive, so I, I, I'll just put the Neon Demon there just to watch you squeam. <laughs> or squirm, rather. Okay, <laughs> you're, you're gonna fucking hate me. That's Neon what Demon. you got. You're gonna hate the Neon Demon and probably like the others. Yes. That's what you got for me. Pusher, Pusher Two, Bronson, Drive, the Neon Demon. Okay. You sure? Nova Hala Rising there. Why do you want to watch? Valhalla no, Rising? I'm I. Well, I, what I really don't want to do is watch The Neon Demon. But oh, <laughs> well, too bad. I would prefer to watch, like, I don't know, whatever. Whatever. No, you, you, you'd get nothing out of Valhalla Rising. You, I just know you. You'd just find it too boring. Okay. Which one's shorter? Mm. No, they're both around the same. Yeah. They're always around the same. All right. Ready? The Pink Panther. <laughs> okay. From 1963. A Shot in the Dark from 1964. Uh, We'll do Return of the Pink Panther, 1975. The Pink Panther Strikes Again, 1976. And Revenge of the Pink Panther from 1978. Okay. You're going to have to send me that list. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) That would be nice. It's the first five movies in the franchise. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I haven't seen a single one of them. Enjoy. Okay. Enjoy, I'll, my friend. I'll probably have a good time. Enjoy. I'll probably have a good time. Yeah. I will be doing a lot of Peter Sellers impressions two weeks from now. Oh, really? Yeah. Can't say I can do any good Peter Sellers impressions. Yeah. It is going to be insufferable. Going to quote a lot of that movie. Um, all right. That's it. 
I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. You good? I don't have much in the way of a quote, so I'll, I'll pick out something we've talked about recently. Okay, so that's it for that. Next week we're doing the films of Nicholas Winning Refn. <laughs> Finally, that's what I'm. Oh God! I, I, ha, fine. <laughs> I'll spend my week watching that shit. <laughs> no, I. Just, I mean, like here. Okay, here's the problem though: is that we are in the heat of playoff baseball right now, and. I watch the Yankees and at the end of it, I just want to watch something that picks me up because the Yankees have been stressing me out lately. And I have a feeling that pusher two is not going to be like a nice come down. Like you think you're going to be upset from it. Yeah. Oh, like how so upset? What do you mean upset? <laughs> like the movie's going to piss you off or the story? <laughs> the man, the man really. Oh, it's not that kind of movie. Okay. The fir- pusher one and two are certainly not that kind of movie. And you also have to look at pusher one with the perspective that it is his first movie. Okay. It's the first movie ever made. And it's a very important movie, actually. Go to the website, too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media for short, where you can hear all of our podcasts, including Why Is This a Thing? Uh, we're in the middle of the spooktacular over there, which we have another crazy movie for you to watch. We just watched Jason X <laughs> yeah. last week. Oh, God. I have to watch Video Drone. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and good. the entire filmography of Nicholas Winning Ruffin. It's going to be sensory overload. I've seen every Ruffin film, so I'm I'm all set. Okay. Um and yeah, that'll do it. Love you so very very much. And until next time. I love you so fucking much. I could shit. Yeah.